Talk Recorded live. Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Digging Deep Podcast, a podcast for women by women. Let's grab our shovels and dig deep into God's Word. Um, this podcast is a result of a Facebook page called Digging Deeper. And um, this group was formed by myself. I'm Lori Lynn. And, uh, wow, God has really amazed me through this. Um, back at Polishing the Pulpit, um, Cindy Colley did three lessons on how to dig deep to the meat of the Word. And I knew, well, I knew that I had to go to these lessons because I had not been digging deep to the meat of the Word. My Bible study had been sporadic. And I was I was in church every Sunday and teaching a two and three year old Bible class, but I knew that I needed this lesson. And so I got home and was so excited about it. And I wanted to share with my friends who were not able to go to polishing the pulpit about this. So I was sleeping one day and I was like, you know, hmm, I need to make a podcast, uh, not a podcast, a Facebook group about this. So it was probably three or four days before we were going to be starting. We were going to be starting in September. And so I made a Facebook page and invited my friends that I thought would be interested. I was thinking hmm, I might have about 50 people in this group. And the numbers grew drastically. In, I think in 12 hours we had, I don't know, probably four or 500 people by one week, we had almost a thousand, and just God has, God has amazed me through this through this group. It's such a blessing to me and to so many other women. And let me tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I'm Lauren Reeves. I'm 20 years old. I live at home with my parents, Roger and Stacy, and my eight and nine year old little cousins, Gavin and Grace. And I have one brother who is 19, and he is at East Tennessee School of Preaching. He's in his first year. I, I just, and so we are so thankful that he is wanting to preach God's word. And I work part time at a real estate development office, and I babysit, and I love to read and blog. And now I love digging deep into God's word. Um, it's just been such a wonderful thing. Um, we have two other administrators to the Facebook page. We have um, Amber Gilreath and Cindy Colley. Um, Cindy Colley, I'm sorry. Cindy Colley is not an administrator. She is the creator of the Bible study group. Jennifer Benavides is our other administrator. Um, and I just wanted to point out how this Bible study group is perfect for a lady of any age. I am single, no children, still at home, and Amber, she is married, but they don't have children yet, Jennifer is married and has children at home, and Cindy is an empty nester, and I know we have ladies who are in the Bible study group who have grandchildren my age, so this Bible study group is for everybody, so don't feel like you cannot enjoy this group. It's for women only, but it's for women only of any age. So please dig into the to the board with us. Um, hey, Amber? Okay, um, I'll go ahead and introduce myself. I'm Amber Gilreath. Um, and first, I guess I just want to say how excited I am to be here uh, as a part of this team. Uh, there's not much to say about me. Uh, Lori Lynn made me an administrator uh, kind of by chance when the group was first created, uh, and I feel really blessed to be a part of it. I've been working alongside my husband, Dalton, um, with the college students at the Jacksonville Church of Christ for a little over two years now. Um, I enjoy Bible study, teaching, doing bulletin boards, and I like to blog. Uh, I don't have any children, as Lori Lynn said, but I am looking forward to one day, Lord willing. 
And I feel that this study has already been such a huge blessing and encouragement in my life, and I am thrilled to be serving in whatever small capacity that I can. Uh, For this podcast, I'm actually going to be taking care of any questions that you guys have through the chat room. So please, please, uh, any questions that you have, just go ahead and type in that little box, and I'll be jotting down notes as we go, and I will get as many of them through to uh, Miss Cindy Colley that we can in the little time that we have. Um, And I guess I'll go ahead and pass it on to Jennifer. Thank you. Good evening, ladies. Um, My name is Jennifer Benavides, and I will be your host this evening by default. Um, I'm also the webmaster for Cindy's blog and colleybooks.org, and now I'm one of the admins for this um, Facebook group, which has been wonderful, a huge blessing. I've been Lewis's helpmeet for the last 21 years, and we have three children. Jessica is 17, Kristen is 15, and Michael is 11. Uh, Lewis and I have home educated our children for the past 10 years, and we now are the administrators of the North Alabama Christian School, which is our homeschool group of approximately 50 families. If that wasn't enough, I also own and operate a custom embroidery business called Common Threads out of my home. If you have any questions for Cindy this evening pertaining to our Bible study, please um, type them in the chat box, and Amber will take note of those, like she said previously. And I'm so excited to say this. I'll be taking your calls this evening. Um, I'm not sure how many we're going to get to, but they're in the queue in the order in which they were received. So if you'd like to ask Cindy a question on the air, please call 724-444-7444 and use the call ID 112808. For your convenience, you will find that information at the bottom of your computer screen, so there's no need to jot that down. Okay, now, let's get on with the show. Cindy Colley is a well-known and respected Christian author and speaker for women. She lives in Huntsville, Alabama with her husband, Glenn, who is a minister and elder for the West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence. Her son, Caleb, is currently studying for his doctorate at the University of South Carolina, and her daughter, Hannah, married Ben Gizelbaugh only two months ago. They are now working with the Riverbend Congregation in Dalton, Georgia. Cindy has authored or co-authored nine books for Christian women. Her first children's book will be available soon, and she is currently working on a book about homeschooling coming out early next year. Cindy, welcome to the very first Digging Deep in God's Word Nugget Night. Thank you, Jennifer. I am so excited about being here. This is something that I never really anticipated. As a matter of fact, I took a nap one afternoon, and when I woke up, all of my message boxes of my Facebook and my email and everything was full of messages about something called Digging Deep, about which I had never heard before. And all of a sudden, there was a group, and at that time, I was administrator of the group, and I was as shocked as anyone else when I saw, you know, hundreds of people were on this group. But, you know, God can do anything he wants to do. And I have, uh, for a long time, I've gone around and spoken to ladies, and I have promised that if you will get into God's Word, that he will give you chances to share whatever you're studying from his Word. I still firmly believe that, and I believe tonight's podcast is just evidence that that is always true. I am so thankful for this group and for this chance. And do I, do I get to just keep talking, Jennifer? Um, that's fine, or we can start with the first question. I want to say one more thing. I think this um, should not be just about questions. I hope that it will be, um, as, we, as we call it, Nugget Night, I hope that it will be something where you will feel like you can call and tell us what you found that you had never discovered before in God's Word, what, uh, you know, we're calling it digging, and so what what did you dig up that you never had noticed before? Because I believe that 
those discoveries will not just be valuable to you, but they will be valuable to the other people who are listening as well, and we can grow as a result of sharing. So I hope it's not just questions. I hope you will participate in that way as well. Thanks. Okay, Lori Lynn, are you ready for the first question for Cindy? I am. Okay, Cindy, can you tell us how the challenge to dig deep came about? Um, well, it was those three lessons at Polishing the Pulpit. Uh, I was asked to speak on how we can dig deep to the meat of the word, and as you said, I just delivered those lessons. And the third lesson, I really um, was just wondering in my mind what would be the most valuable thing, and so I just decided to challenge ladies to to do what I would do if it were my very first time to dig deep in God's Word. So I, I made a list of the things that I thought were the most basic to study, the, the things that we could build on the most easily, the things that were the most important to know as we start studying, even in the book of Genesis. And so as I presented those, as I decided to present those things, then I thought, well, you know, I might could just divide this up in a calendar year and just say what I would study month by month if I were first beginning to dig into God's work. So that's where that lesson came from, and I ended up um, passing out a handout, showing it on a PowerPoint, and then Lori Lynn took that, that idea home and decided to share it on Facebook. So that's how the group started. Very good. Amber, do you have a question? Okay, yes, we actually have a couple of questions that have come through on the chat. Um, one here... I have is from Bridget, and it says, how would you address the two instances that Abraham misled the pharaohs in Egypt about Sarah being his wife? How would you address that? Well, I think maybe the question more specifically is, was that sinful? And obviously, any time that we deceive, it is a sin to deceive. The devil is a liar, and he is the father of lies. And Revelation 21.8, of course, tells us that all liars will have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. So we do understand that deception is sinful. And I would say about, about Abraham doing that, that there are just so many instances of great people of faith in our Bibles, and I believe that that's one of the evidences that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, is that it uh, describes for us heroes, but it doesn't hide those, the flaws of those heroes. And of course, there are lots of uh, great advantages that we have as God's people it, by looking at the heroes of faith and seeing that they were flawed people. They were imperfect people. And so, of course, Abraham sinned when he misled those pharaohs. And I think uh, as, if you've been digging, you see how that Isaac um, committed that same mistake uh, later on. Actually, one of those kings wasn't a pharaoh, I think. I think one was a pharaoh and one wasn't. But Isaac did that same, he committed that same sin, and some, we can learn a lot of lessons from that. Sometimes, uh, generationally, the, the sons don't bear the iniquities of the father's sins, as we know from Ezekiel, but Sometimes environmentally our children will repeat our sins because they have learned um, certain behaviors from us. And so we need to be really careful as parents that we're always setting the right example for them. So I think I would address it by saying, you know, it obviously was sinful. He obviously, another lesson we learned is that he did not learn from his mistake. We as Christians today must be... Um, our hearts must be malleable, we must be pliable, so that when we do commit uh, sins against the Father and against other people, that we're willing to be humble enough to say, I did wrong, and I plan not to do that anymore. And so I would address it by saying he sinned. He didn't learn from his sin. His sin was committed uh, in the next generation. And so we look to Abraham and we say, wow, this great man of faith, he failed in this regard and and how much more careful we should be because the devil doesn't want to get people who are out there in the world who aren't identified with God. He wants to get great people of God. And so as God's children, we have to be all the more careful that we are that we have our defenses up and that we're humble before the Word of God. Very good. We have um, three callers in the queue. 
Our first caller is um, Western and Southern Virginia. Hello, Western and Southern Virginia. Do you have a name? Are they, are they on? I don't hear them. They must be away from the phone. Western and Southern Virginia, are you on the phone? Okay. Well, the next one. Yes. Um, we're going to move to South Texas. Hello, South Texas. Do you have um, a question for Cindy this evening? Maybe we don't know how to do this. <laughs> well, they're getting unmuted. I yes. can see it. South Texas, are you there? Do you have a question for Cindy? Oh, I don't think it's going to work. Maybe they don't have a microphone. I don't know. Oh. Okay. Let's, why don't we come back to that and try it again in a few minutes, and maybe if those people can keep trying, maybe we can figure out what we're doing. Why don't I talk to Amber, and Jen, maybe you can figure out what's going on with the phone. Okay. Um, Amber, do you have another question? Um, I do have um, another question here. We had two questions that came through the chat so far. Our other question came from guest 31, um, and she wanted to know if there were any implications of Adam and Eve uh, covering themselves as it pertains to us today, and um, would cultural difference, differences um are there cultural differences in the standards of modesty? Well, I think we're definitely going to go. We're, uh, we're talking about modesty, obviously, and I think uh, that our New Testament passage for that is obviously 1 Timothy 2, verses 9 and 10, where we are instructed to, as women, adorn ourselves in modest apparel with shame and sobriety. So let's look at those words just for a minute because we know that those words are for all cultures because they are New Testament inspiration. And when we look at that passage and we look at the word modest, that means uh, with, with a sense of decorum. It means uh, not drawing attention to oneself. And then we look at shamefacedness, and that's really the word in, in the King James Version. You may have a different version, but that's really the word that makes us aware that modesty is not just about drawing attention to oneself, but it's also about, and that word means literally, the ability to blush. So we are to dress in ways that don't draw attention to ourselves, and we are to exhibit the ability to blush. And then it says with sobriety. Sobriety there is, is uh, sober-minded, and it really, if we want to make a practical application of the word sobriety for us today, it would be um, thinking about things the way that they really are, being serious about serious things and thinking about things the way they really are. So we go all the way back to the garden, and we realize there that Adam and Eve made themselves coverings. So they, the Bible says that they admitted that they knew they were naked, and so they made themselves coverings. But we have to also notice that their idea of covering was not enough for God because God came back and made them coverings himself. Sometimes what we consider to be Naked is not the same as what God considers to be naked. And I, I believe that um, we would, even if First Timothy 2 verse 9 were not in the Bible, I believe we could look at Matthew 5 verse 28 where it says that um, if a man looks on a woman to lust after her, he's committed adultery already in his heart. I believe when we look at that passage that we can see even without 1 Timothy 2, 9, and 10, especially if we're married women and we have a relationship, a sexual relationship with a man, we understand what it means to look on a woman and lust after her because we understand the way that men are visually wired. And so I believe especially though, since we have the command to be modest and we have Matthew 5, 28 that says it's possible for a man to look on a woman and lust after her and commit adultery in his heart, then I believe that we as women can contribute to that sin of lust. 
How does that relate to Genesis chapter 1? Well, I believe it does. I don't believe that we can necessarily go to Genesis chapter 1 and draw from the fig leaves to the coats that God made Adam and Eve. I don't believe that from that passage we can necessarily go and apply strict um, inches, that we can apply strict guidelines for us today. I believe, though, that we as women of God have to understand that 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10 are not just God blowing off air. Those words have to mean something, and they are a command that we are to adorn ourselves in modest apparel. So I believe God expects expects us to use our noodles, to use our brains, and to make decisions not based on how skimpy can my clothing be or how close can I get to the line of immodesty. How much can I look like the culture? I think he expects us to say, how can I, with agape love, which is the love that cares more about others than about myself, how can I, in agape love, be sure that I am not causing my brother to stumble. Um, I want us to interact on this, but I also wanted to point out 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And in that passage, Paul there is talking about the eating of meat. He's talking about something that is not even, um, it's a matter of judgment. He makes it very clear that, you know, in those days there were idols and there were temples to idols and there were feasts. To idols, And sometimes in the grocery store at the marketplace, there would be um, meat that had been offered to idols. And Paul there says, if you, if you come across meat in the grocery store and you don't know if that meat has been offered to idols or not, just don't ask any questions. And it's not simple to eat that meat unless it causes another brother to stumble. And at the bottom of that chapter, he says, Paul says, if my eating meat is going to cause another person to stumble, then I will, may I never eat meat again until the end of the world. I will never eat it again if it's going to cause someone to stumble. I think that has a real impact on the way I think about so many decisions that I make and certainly about the way that I dress. I want to be sure that I never cause a brother to stumble. Matthew 5.28 says it's possible for a man to look and lust. That would be his sin. But I believe I can, as Timothy said, be a partaker in another man's sin if I'm not careful to do all that I can to help him keep his mind in purity before his God. Does that help? Is that relevant? Yes, I think so. I think that answered the question very well. Well, um, there there's so much that we can we can learn about modesty. I know you could really talk about modesty probably for the entire uh, hour here. I've heard several of your lessons on it, um, but I well, think that you did answer that question in the briefest way you could, um, and still covering it well. It's an important, it's not the only issue that's important in our culture, but I think it is important in our culture because we live in a world that is undressed. And I think that um, we as Christians have to realize that we're not called to be like the culture, that we are called to conform to Christ, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so I think that is a relevant question. I'm glad that we bounced off of Genesis 1 into, and by the way, I love, Amber, um, the exchange. I love talking back and forth and not being the only one that talks. So y'all <laughs> talk to me. That's great. What else do we need to talk about? I want to I just uh, throw in here before you go ahead that um, my in the beginning, of course, I asked you to memorize a couple of verses, and uh, one was Genesis 3.15. And I believe that that verse is very, very pivotal to the scheme of redemption. That is, of course, when the Messiah was first promised. And I hope that everybody is memorizing that passage. The other one that I asked you to memorize is when Abraham was, uh, promised that of his seed all nations would be blessed. And I believe that's a messianic prophecy as well. And I, I hope that as we study through the book of Genesis, 
we're not just studying ancient history. We're not just picking up on the ways of Mesopotamia or the ways of Ur or the ways of Egypt. I want us to be realizing that the Bible is not 66 books. The Bible is one book with 66 chapters, and the scheme of redemption actually does start as soon as man, uh, as man falls from God. Uh, God begins to restore him, and of course, uh, later on, is, as we study Exodus, we're going to study about how that um, God set up that that uh, Mosaic law with uh, sacrifices and ordinances and the blood of bulls and goats. But from Genesis 3, verse 15, we do not ever have a portion of Scripture that's not pointing to the death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary where he overcame the devil. And if you think about it, the devil's uh, head was crushed there. That is where the devil lost the battle. Jesus' heel was bruised. He was hurt. But he wasn't given a fatal blow at Calvary because we know three days later he came up out of that grave and praise God, his heel was bruised, but the devil's head was crushed. And so I want us to keep in mind as we study Genesis and Exodus that it is a story that is all about Calvary, even from Genesis 3.15. Well, I appreciate you saying all that, Miss Cindy, because actually you answered one of our questions here, which was... Um, can you give us the significance of our memory verses? So I think you uh, you just covered that. So if anybody was taking notes and wanted to know the significance of the memory verses, um, if you didn't get all of that, you can go back and listen back to the podcast. Um, and then I think I see a caller, Jennifer. Do we have another caller? Yes, we do. Jennifer? Um, okay. So let me try to undo it. See if that works. Okay. Hello, Leah. Do you have a question for Cindy tonight? Well, I'm just really joining in to kind of hear what everybody is saying. I've been on the road today, so I've not really got my thoughts together today. Okay. It works. Yes. It did work. <laughs> let, me try, let me try one more. Hold on a second. Okay. And Wait. it looks like they got offline. Okay. <laughs> They're being well, okay. while we're waiting for that, um, I do want to just go ahead and say the significance of the promises, and, and I did discuss that. You're right. But if you go on my blog, which is cindycolley.blogspot.com, cindycolley.blogspot.com, there is a, um, an article that I wrote, and it would be not the current post, but just the one previous. It would be the one that was posted this Monday. And it's about the bruised heel. And so it does there have some insights about Genesis 3.15 and how that the heel of Christ was bruised and how that that's not a fatal blow, but the head of the devil was crushed. And I love that because what it says to us today is that if we are serving the devil, that we are serving in a, an already doomed domain. We have already lost the battle because, of course, the Savior was victorious when he came forth from the grave. And then the other passage that I had you memorize was about Abraham and the... Um, how all nations would be blessed through his seed. And, of course, we're going to be watching for these passages next month as we study the book of Exodus as well. But in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews and in the book of Romans, over and over again, we are called the children of Abraham by faith. And so it was through the seed of Abraham because Jesus Christ was the great, 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 28 times, I think, grandson of Abraham through, of course, the tribe of Judah, through King David. He was the Lion of Judah. And so that promise to Abraham that I had you memorize, of course, was a promise that all nations of the earth would be blessed through Christ. But not only that, we're going to find in the New Testament that we do become the 
spiritual heirs of Abraham. We are the children of Abraham by faith. We're going to find that um, the Old Testament, of course, had the command of circumcision for the children of Abraham, and our circumcision is baptism. We're going to find that very clearly taught in the New Testament. And we're going to find that we are the seed of Abraham. And we're even, as women, in 1 Peter 3, it says we are the daughters of Sarah if we do well. So we are the children of Abraham and Sarah in a very spiritual way that is uh, definitely described in our New Testament. So that's the significance of that passage to Abraham. Something else? You have something else? Lori Lynn, do you have a question? Yes, ma'am. Cindy, can you give us... um some examples, I know you've probably touched on this a little bit, but that reflect the theme of redemption throughout the accounts in Genesis. Um, not just the not just the one in um, Genesis 3, but just throughout the, uh, the whole... I, I love doing that because it's full of them. I love it. I love... Uh, my favorite one probably is Isaac. When we think about Abraham being commanded to go and sacrifice his son... That is just a picture of our Father in Heaven who was willing to sacrifice His Son for us. And I think about, when I think about um, the fact that in Hebrews 11 it says that uh, Abraham counted Isaac as being dead. And, And he counted Isaac as being dead as soon as he was commanded to go and sacrifice Isaac. In the, in the heart of Abraham, Isaac had been sacrificed. When you think about that, and the fact that the actual um, saving of Isaac, you remember when um, the angel caught Abraham's hand, that was three days after he sacrificed Isaac in his heart. Uh, that's amazing because that uh, I believe that foreshadows the fact that you know, I don't know, um, I don't want to draw lines where they're not there, but, but Christ was three days in the grave from the time he was sacrificed to the time that uh, we see the angel at the tomb of Jesus. There are just some amazing similarities there. Um, he took him up on the mountain. Of course, Christ was crucified on the mountain. Some people even believe it was the same mountain. But uh, when we think about Abraham, his journey, Isaac saying, uh, you know, here's the wood. Well, there was wood involved in the sacrifice of Christ as well. And who was going to be laid on that wood? Well, it was going to be Christ. And Isaac was laid on the wood in the Old Testament. I think about that, and I am amazed at uh, the wisdom that's there, at the foreknowledge and the foreshadowing that's there. We go deeper into the book, and I I think about Joseph, and um, I think about the situation of bondage that he found himself, in which he found himself. And I think about uh, the power of God in delivering him from that bondage and in bringing him to a situation where he was a ruler. And I am, um, I have to think about us as Christians and how that we are uh, bond servants to sin until God brings us to, uh, through his providence and through his wonderful grace, he gives us a chance to eat at the king's table just like Joseph did. I, there are just so many passages in Genesis that point us, that, that have parallels for us as Christians today. It's rich with them, and I hope that you all are finding them. Very good. Amber, do you have another question from the chat room? Yes, I actually have an interesting nugget first, and then I have a question. Um, oh. Guest 29... Guest 29 says, um, one nugget I gleaned in this study is how Joseph forgave his brothers in the same willing manner as Esau forgave Jacob when they were reunited. It makes me think maybe Jacob taught Joseph about forgiveness in his early years. So I thought that was an interesting nugget. Um, And then we, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I just like that a lot. I, um, you know, we do have some amazing examples of forgiveness. And I personally believe that Joseph is 
probably the greatest example of forgiveness in the Old Testament. And I do believe that that foreshadows the the great forgiveness that we are given in Christ when um, when we're willing to humble ourselves before him. But I do think uh, she may have something there. It would be interesting to study exactly, let's see, when Jacob and Esau were reunited and Esau forgave him, Jacob did have his children with him. And, you know, Joseph uh, could have been witnessing that, I believe. And, and that may be just a real nugget there that I had not thought about before. So I'm glad for that caller. Thanks. Okay, and Jennifer, do you want to go to the phones, or do you want me to go to the next question? Um, I have a caller, yes. Let's okay, try great. This. Let's try this again. Have a call? Okay. Emily, do you have a question for Cindy this evening? <laughs> oh, me. Our batting average is not so good on these questions. <laughs> Well, I know that we're all unmuted, but I don't know why when I unmute the callers, they we cannot hear them. So I am mm-hmm. sorry, ladies. Um, we'll have That's to okay. We heard Leah Beth. Didn't we hear Leah Beth for a minute? We did, yes. And this is the same oh. way I'm unmuting people, so I don't know. Uh, well, Can I we hear you there by any chance? Okay. We'll, we'll get the bugs out of this. <laughs> to do. We'll be able to do this. We're going to hang in there, and we'll get the we'll get the bugs out of this. And maybe next time we'll get to hear every caller. We'll keep trying. Okay, Cindy, um, or go ahead, Lori. Do you have some more questions? Well, I didn't know. I just got questions running down this list right here in the well, chat Amber, room. Why don't you go ahead? Because I only have one left on this list, and so you take them since you've got so many. Okay, well, first I've got guest five who wants to know, and I don't think we'll have time for this um, in this last 25-minute period, but um, they want to know, Cindy, if you have a timeline uh, for Genesis, because we were asked to be able to tell its story in sequence. Um, so uh, I don't know if you can do this over there. That would be great. Or maybe if you have some kind of document, uh, I don't know, that we could put up um, in the Facebook group or, or how you would want to address that. Well, I don't know who with whom I'm speaking, but I did actually, um, with my children, I did this, and I would recommend if you have children that you would take the time in your family Bible time. And by the way, I hope that you all do have a family Bible time, whether you're, you know, just uh, you and your husband or you and your husband and your children. No matter who lives at your house, I know Lori Lynn has little cousins living in her house. Whoever lives in your house should be having a, a family Bible time together. And And during our family Bible time, one of the things that we did was we uh, went into our basement and took a part of our basement, and you could do this wherever in your house you wanted, and we uh, put up a, a roll of art paper. We just unrolled it and put it all the way around the wall, and our children did a timeline of Genesis that went all the way around that room, and it was pretty cool. Um, I'm going to... give you some resources, I hope, in a second, but um, it was pretty cool because, like, when we started out with the days of creation, our kids actually put up, uh, of course, they stuck sticker stars and suns and moons when it was, uh, let's see, that would be day four, and when it was day five, um, that's the birds and the fish, so they actually went outside and got bird feathers, they found bird feathers to put up there, and and um, pictures of fish, and then um, we moved on, and when we got to uh, Joseph down in Egypt and him saving up the corn, we went and got popcorn or real corn kernels, and we put those, glued those things on our paper, and so it wasn't just pictures that they drew. Some of it was pictures when it was Joseph in the coat of many colors. We actually got colored fabric and cut out coats and glued them on the timeline so that actually when they went around the room, they could walk around the room and it was on their eye level and they could describe everything that happened in Genesis. They could tell the entire story of Genesis. Now, I know that we're women and that we might not need all of the... um, visual and all of the texture that children need to tell the story of Genesis, but there are some very good Bible timelines that are available. And I 
actually from Digging Deep. I remember one of the ladies wrote in and said that uh, Tia McCorder, and that would be Shula Vista Books, C-H-U-L-A, V-I, V is in victory, V-I-S-T-A, Shula Vista Books. If somebody wants to just go ahead and type that in, Shula Vista Books, then you can see it in the chat room. Shula Vista Books, and I think that um, if you look online, you'll find them, Tia McCorder. And she has a good, really good Bible timeline. I believe that's where I got my Bible timeline that um, I've used forever and ever. So you might want to contact her and get a copy of that Bible Timeline. That would be a good thing. Okay. Very good. Amber, you want to have another question from the chat room? Um, sure. Uh, a. Hawkins says, I would like to hear Cindy's ideas on Jacob wrestling with God in Chapter 32. Well, let me turn over to, to chapter 32, and I'm not sure that I'm going to um, to have anything that you have not already thought of, but let's turn together over to Genesis chapter 32, and let's read about wrestling with the angel. Let's see. I'm in chapter 32 now, and we have um, Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man, verse 24, with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. And he said, I'm not going to let you go except you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that you're asking after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. So therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh to this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. I surely do not have all the answers about that. Um, and in fact, uh, what was the name of the guest that asked the question? It was A. Hankin. Okay, if if you have insights into that, if you could be, I, I guess our phones aren't working, but if you could be typing your insights in, then I would be, I would really probably learn from you about this. I do think that um, Jacob was very much afraid of Esau at this point. He had risen up in the night and taken his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons. So there you have it. He did have young Joseph with him. And he took them and they went over the brook and he sent over all that he had. So he's getting ready to meet Esau here. He wrestles with uh, a man until the breaking of the day. And it says there that it was God who touched his thigh. And it says there that um, that Jacob actually, from what I understand here, it says that um, he, had him, he had him pretty much pinned. It says uh, the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint. But he said, let me go. And he said, I will not let you go except you bless me. So he said, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. So I guess the most that I can draw from that is that um, God is making Jacob a prince here. I think, it's a, I think it's a messianic foreshadowing again here because he's exalting Jacob, and we know that the, that the royal line came through Jacob rather than Esau. So here again, the two brothers are about to be brought together. Uh, Jacob is about to get forgiveness from Esau, but I think here God is once again saying that you are the one, you are the prince, and um, and you are the one who's going to get the blessing. Now, as far as what exactly the thigh meant, 
um, I'm not the person. I'm I'm pretty. Um, I always just if I don't know, I like to say I don't know, and I don't know what the thigh meant there. I know that the children of Israel looked back on it, and it had some significance because it says they didn't eat that part of the meat. But I believe here that um, that Jacob. Maybe his wrestling was symbolic of the sin that he had committed. He obviously had committed some sin uh, in the deceit of his brother. But at any point here in this wrestling with God, he came out of it with the blessing. And I believe that's a foreshadowing of the messianic prophecy, the messianic blessing, Jesus, who was going to come through Jacob. But other than that, I don't know the answer. Are you there? Yes. Okay, well, we have about, uh, I think you did a really good job with that, Miss Cindy. I definitely um, learned from everything that you just said. But um, uh, we only have about 15 minutes left. Lori, do you want to do your final question? Sure, and I would like to share a comment from the chat room real quick. Um, A. Hankins um, commented that, I have read in a book called 1,000 Gifts that the thigh was the strongest part of a man to break and that God must break, um, break us sometimes, um, we can see him and be blessed. So I, I, it's really neat to point out um, if that does have significance that God broke the strongest part of him. Very good. Okay. Well, the final question on my list is, please share with us some of the feedback you've received about this study. Well, that's the part that I'm the very most excited about because I don't know if you're able to to tell by just looking at the Facebook group, but there are multiple Facebook groups that are closed Facebook groups. And someone, someone said, well, why would you ever have a Bible study that's closed? Well, I understand that perfectly because there are multiple Digging Deep Facebook groups that are composed of just the women in a particular congregation. So I'm really excited about that because what that means is that the setting can be more intimate, their comments can be made without the whole, their comments and questions can be made just among the sisters that they actually know face to face. I think I consider that sort of like a family meeting. You know, if Glenn and and I and the children are going to sit down and try to work through problems and issues in our lives, we wouldn't do that online. We wouldn't do that on television or on the radio, even if we had a chance to do that, because we are intimately aware of the places where we need to grow and of the needs of our family. Well, I think that's kind of true in these congregations. These sisters are coming together and studying right along with us, but they're making applications that are the ones they most specifically need in their congregations. That doesn't mean that they're ignoring the big group, the group that has 1,062 people in it, but they have their own group of 20 or 30, and they're going through the study by themselves, and they have their own smaller group where they can actually talk to each other on a more intimate family level. I love that. And I'm getting um, feedback from those groups like uh, one was a group of 30, for instance. And so they were ordering 30 copies of study books because they're going through it as a congregation together. And actually some of those groups were formed before the big group was formed. So that is a wonderful part of the feedback I'm getting. Another part of the feedback I'm getting is that a lot of people are inviting non-Christian friends. That's wonderful. I hope that we will have people of all faiths to join us, not only in the group, but on this podcast as well. And let me go ahead and ask this question. The podcast, I think, is going to happen monthly. Is that correct? Uh, yes, ma'am. So will it be, As uh, I guess we will announce ahead of time if we need to change it, but we're kind of shooting for the fourth Thursday night monthly. Is that what we're trying to do? Yes, ma'am. That's what we're shooting for. 
Okay, well, I'm very excited about that, and I hope that it will be um, a tool of evangelism that we can use and we can invite friends because I think sometimes our uh, friends, although gospel meetings are effective and lectureships are effective, I believe that women um, will relate to and enjoy this podcast because it's, um, it's right now. You know, this is live, it's happening right now, and I think that we can use this as a tool of evangelism. Another great thing um, that I love about this is that, especially throughout my day, you know, you don't have to be online all the time. You don't have to be, uh, I heard, I saw someone commenting just now, I can't sit around and read blogs. You don't have to sit around to do this Bible study. You know, he and I, I was talking to my daughter today, and she was saying, you know, Mom, I, I, I haven't read every comment. That's okay. We don't have to read every comment that anyone makes. I love being able to go on there and just um, pull it up anytime and scroll down through there until I get to, say, maybe a discussion of the angel wrestling with Jacob or maybe a discussion of why were those Lambs. How did those lambs get to be spotted and speckled when um, you know Jacob was serving Laban? And the discovery that several people made in the study that actually Jacob didn't have to work uh, seven more years for in order to get Rachel. He he had to work those seven more years, but he got her uh, on credit. He got he got her as he began to work those seven extra years. So those kinds of nuggets, I can just scroll down through there and say, aha, look what she found, or aha, look what, look what is coming up here in this study. And it's, it's not like you have to be in every conversation in order to benefit from this. And a lot of people are saying that that's what they love about the study is that it's not binding us to... Um, to a certain curriculum except for the Bible and we can we can all find things that are particularly beneficial individually to each of us. Yeah, I really want to um, back that up, Cindy. You know, I'm one of the administrators and I try to, to read everything that's there, but I don't comment on everything. I mean, it might kind of look like I'm incognito for a long time because sometimes I just don't like to read and learn from these ladies, most of whom are, are older than me, and it has been such a blessing to get to have the wisdom from all these Christian women. I mean, it's like the biggest ladies Bible class out there, and I love it. And you know what? Sometimes I look on there, and I'll see a question, and I'll think, oh, I think I know the answer to that. Um and I'll be really short on time, and I'll I'll think to myself, well, I'll come back and check on that tonight and try to look up the, the passages that I think really apply to this particular question or quandary, whatever it is. And by the time I get back, oh, 10 people have already done a much better job than I could ever do in addressing the subject. And I think, wow, I learned more just by coming back to check on this particular question that I would have ever learned if I were answering it. So, you know, there are some really wise people on here. And I want to say, too, that, you know, it, there are three great and faithful administrators for whom I am really thankful. I am so grateful for you all. But none of us are perfect people. And I, I want to to stress that just because you might see something on here uh, for a few minutes at least that is, uh, you know, there might be a time when you look on here and you see something and you think, wow, that's just not correct. Well, if we if we see that, we're going to comment on it and we're going to, um, we want to be biblical. We don't want to be argumentative. We don't want to be critical, but we are striving to be very biblical. So just because you see something on here for a few minutes or for a day or two and you think, well, I don't think that's biblical, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to strive to make sure that every comment, every question, that we stay true to God's Word and that we um, are open and completely, um, we want to be loving and in areas of judgment, we certainly want to 
to make room for opinions. But um, you know, in doctrinal matters, when it has to do with God's word, we're gonna we're gonna really be true to God's word, and that's my prayer. And I'll also. Even today, as I was praying about tonight, and I know that Jennifer and Amber and Lori Lynn did this too, I prayed for the maximum amount of good to come for heaven. I think that's what every one of us is completely all about. That's what I prayed for. And I also prayed, God, just help me to get behind your word. Help it not to be about me. Help me to get behind your word. I am nothing. And I know that that's how the administrators feel as well. That, that's that got to be our spirit because we are nothing. And it's only through Christ that we can do all things. And I praise him for the blessing of the open door that we have in studying his word here. But help us all to remember that we are um, just filthy rags without Christ. Amen. Amen. We can do all things. So I don't know how much time we have left, but I do want I, and go ahead and tell me if you need if you need to ask another question or if you. I don't have another question, Cindy, but I would like to say thank you so much to everybody in the chat room who submitted questions and nuggets and comments toward this study because I was very nervous about this. You know, this is the first time that I've gotten in here and I've done this, and I was like, oh, Jennifer and Lori, what am I going to do if there's no questions, you know? But um, so I am so thankful to see this many women um, taking their Thursday night and spending an hour uh, in here with all these women, you know, just discussing God's Word and uh, as we study this together. I'm really thankful for that. Well, I don't know if I have a second left. Jen, how much time do I have left? You have about three minutes. Okay, and then do you have a, a something you want to close with? or I put my buffer in there. I have a minute at the end, yes. Okay, all right. Okay, well, I will just take a few seconds then, but I do want to petition you for prayers. For the group, I really believe that, um, as you know, the scripture tells us the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And I think we can put the word woman in there, and we can, if we all pray about this, I believe by the end of the year that somebody will be on the road to heaven who's not on the road to heaven now. And that's what true success is, is living our lives and going to heaven. And if just one person can go to heaven as a result of this group, then we will have been hugely successful. And so I'm praying for that, and I really would petition all of you to pray toward that end. I also would like to ask for, and maybe I'm selfish in doing this, but I would like to ask for personal prayers as I get to travel, as I get the the privilege of talking to women and of writing. I, I would like to ask you to pray for not just my safety, but but for um, for my disposition, help me uh, pray that I that I will be humble and that I will um, hide behind His Word, and that as I get to speak to women, that I will not ever forget what true success is, and that it is it is going to heaven myself and helping others to go there. That's really really what I want to do, and I think that's what the four of us and everybody else who's participating, I think that's what everybody in this chat room wants to do. And so if you'll pray for me tomorrow, I will fly to Oklahoma where we will be speaking to ladies in a place called Miami. It's spelled just like Miami, but they say Miami. And that is where I'll be speaking on Saturday with my daughter Hannah. And on Saturday we'll be speaking to girls about purity, especially about saving ourselves for um, for marriage as far as sexual purity is concerned. So if you'll pray about that, I would just be most grateful. Stay in tune with um, with the blog. It's I want it to be encouraging. If you have uh, things that you want to share on that blog that you think are very relevant for women, your ladies' days particularly, let me know about those. You can Facebook me or email me and let me know about those, and I'll share those on the blog because I want it to do as much good as it can for as many people as it can possibly do. Thanks 
so much to everyone who participated. You have encouraged me, and I've gotten a great blessing from tonight. Wow, ladies, wasn't that a very encouraging discussion? Thank you so much for joining us this evening, and please join us next month, October 27th, at 7 p.m. Central Time to discuss October's Digging Deep Challenge. I don't know about you, but the Digging Deep Facebook group has been a huge encouragement to me personally. We have watched the group grow from one 20-year-old girl's idea to an active group of over 1,000 women in a very short amount of time. What does that say about the power and influence of one, one person, you or me? We all have the ability to go out and do something positive in this world today. I will close this evening with 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. Whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Thank you, ladies. Good night. Bye. Bye.